Hi, hello, welcome to the Mavs Moneyball podcast. This is Josh Bo, one of the many editors over at MavsMoneyball.com. Joining me tonight on this Sunday evening, uh, we have a special guest, a special episode this week. We have comedian Jerry Rocha. Hello. Uh, hey, Jerry, how's it going? Dude, I'm on it's special. Come on, I get the special guest tag. This is great. Yeah, you don't. We don't. Whenever we get uh, a non-blog boy, uh, basketball <laughs> blog boy, onto the podcast, it's a special one. I, I'm in. I'll take it. I'm in. Awesome. Well, uh, Jerry is Dallas, uh, born and raised, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah, absolutely. And I noticed you were following. Uh, you started following kind of our work on Twitter. Yeah, uh, my tweets and some of our articles that we've been writing, and I was I kind of clicked around and was like, oh man, like you know, Dallas born a comedian living in L.A. and checked out your stuff, and it's really funny, it's really good stuff. And uh, well, thank you, man. Yeah, and it was just kind of cool. Just uh, you know, Twitter is a nightmarish hellscape, but it's really cool in how it can just kind of connect people uh, absolutely in, in just interesting absolutely. ways. Um, well, yeah, and it is it is amazing too how many morons are out there though. That's oh, almost know, right? the fun of it. Are the, it's because uh, yeah, it's uh, what's funny. This is going to hit close to home. I hope this doesn't offend you or any of your listeners. But I just put out a new CD. It just came out Tuesday, right? And I have a joke because I went to Stonewall Jackson Elementary in Dallas. Oh boy! And I just have a joke about like they named a school after a dude who fought to keep slaves and. Like, that's really all he did. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't invent anything. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't do it. And then, and I just joked, was like, you know, there's, I mean, we could still name them after white people. That isn't the issue. But, like, there's cooler ones. Like, we get Willie Nelson. You know what I mean? Like, the Beatles, that's four schools right there. One for each beat, you know? And the record label I recorded that with did a little ad of that joke. And they sent it out. And all the replies are just amazing. Like, you need to learn history. You need, it's like, dude, it's a joke. Shut up. Uh, it's you, amazing. Yeah, but they love. You this. would not believe, you, uh, obviously on a much smaller scale than that. Uh, but when we were having to cover the Mavs sexual harassment scandal. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, definitely. There was a lot of, you know, stick to sports. You know, what does this have to do with anything? Why are you guys spending so much time about this? Because it was such a long it was so drawn out, you know, the investigation. So what are you supposed to do though? If you're talking, if you're talking about the team, like, I mean, come on, if you're talking, if your whole point is to talk about the Dallas Mavericks and then maybe the biggest scandal that ever hit the team ever besides, you know, them trading for Oliver Miller, that was the only other <laughs> biggest, like, what are they doing? You know, like that was the only other, you know, like, I mean, but all honesty, wouldn't you agree? Like probably before that, the biggest, I, I maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought the biggest Mav scandal was just Roy Tarpley, uh, and 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 when I was a kid, that was heartbreaking for me because he was my favorite Maverick, and the three strikes you're out, Roy Tarpley being like the first guy, and then so there really hasn't been much of a, they have some shady things going on behind the scenes of the or until that broke. So what are you supposed to? Do? I bet I bet half you knew that dude, right? That that was that got in trouble. I mean, you probably saw him at games. So what do you? Yeah, you I, I was talk about it. Yeah, I was in the I've been in the locker room with that guy. I've talked with him. I was somewhat friendly right. with him, but you know, of course, sure. You know, this is not our full time gig. You know, I've got a full time boring office of job. So like, you know, I'm not there all the time. So like, you know, all, a lot of our reaction was all these people that are doing it full time. Like, what the hell are you guys doing? And like, how did it take? You know this so long for this to come out and all that's kind of where a lot of my anger was from. And also yeah. anger at Cuban. And I went after Cuban a lot and, and a lot of my columns 
And I think a lot of people got mad because they see me as someone that's always like against the Mavs front office. So they're trying to bring up like, oh, you didn't like the trade. So you obviously you're giving Cuba a hard time about fucking something that's really horrible that that happened to human people. And that actually it matters. Makes, you know, it's yeah, that's the thing. It's like and I, I got to be honest, dude, since this is obviously Moneyball, like I that really like I, it would take a lot for me to not root for the Mavericks. But as much as I as much as I love what Cuban has done for what happens on the court right like that was kind of like the e like this i was kind of like man fuck this guy that was like my first thought when all that happened it's like you can't tell me that the owner is someone who just prides himself of being so hands-on i mean he's at every fucking game so you tell me he doesn't know what's going on with his employees like i don't I, i didn't buy that whole like oh i had no idea this guy was doing this i didn't buy that at all yeah, me either. And I still feel this, like anytime I see him do an interview and kind of like laughing on the radio, talking about the Mavs or something, I'm just kind of like, there's just kind of an ickiness in the back of my head. And especially because he, you know, he didn't really get punished at all. His punishment was basically a tax write off because he donated charity. Right. It was, it was that. And then it was, Hey, you need to like report things better. And so it's like your punishment was do your job and a tax write off. I'm like, great. <laughs> that's all. We so that's that. Yeah, that yeah. kind of pissed me off too. But yeah. I, I could talk about that for like an hour. It, oh, it, it still it still bugs me so much. Of course, and it, it sucks because the team's kind of cool, cool again. Like it's kind of fun to be a Mavericks fan again for the first time in like five well, years. You know, I was. Can we talk about this because I'm gonna I'm gonna play the part of it was always fun to be. I only like, look. <laughs> don't get me wrong. The 2011 was my favorite moments in, moment in Dallas sports history as a fan of. Because I grew up, born and raised in Dallas, so I go across the board. Stars, Cowboys, Rangers, right? Like, dude, I was – even the sidekicks. I bet nobody listening to this even knows who the fuck I'm talking about. But <laughs> I was yeah. like – I love it. Like, and the Mavs, like them winning that title was my favorite because I don't think it was supposed to happen. Like, because when the Cowboys got Charles Haley, you just knew. Like, okay, we're, they're going to win. Like, you just knew they were going to win when they got Haley. But Ma- the Mavs were not supposed to win that year. It, everyone thought it was going to be Kobe and the I mean, uh, Kobe and the Lakers versus LeBron and the Super Friends, right? Like that's what everybody thought. And the fact that the Mavs did it up. But that being said, I somehow love when they sucked in the '90s and just looking at every draft, going, "Maybe we're not going to blow this." You know what I mean? Like that excitement of like <laughs> every top six pick at least, like, "Hey, maybe this guy's not going to suck," and it always sucked. And I mean, there was there was some there was a weird fun in that hope of getting a high draft pick all the time. I will say that there was a weird level of like, I don't know, just this like, eh, what are we, are we going to blow this again? But yeah, yeah I, I can understand that. And it's kind of like when they're bad, it, you feel like you're watching or you're like a fan of like a, a band that no one's heard of. Yeah. Like, you, you know, the fan base kind of creeps and, and, and constricts a little bit and it's <laughs> and there's not many people. So you can feel like you got your foot in the door before everyone else did. And Absolutely. it's like, Oh, you're only watching now because of Luca. And, you know, but, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, was there when Daniel Gallenberg was starting games and, and playing like that. Dude, my friends and I, uh, this is, uh, we would lead, MVP chance every time Sean Bradley would take free throws back in the day. We would go to Reunion Arena, and every time Bradley was at the free throw line at the end of a blowout, we would just start tanning MVP like assholes. Like, I, <laughs> like I'll never forget those memories. Like, yes, give me the championship, no question. But that was still kind of fun, too. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that kind of paints it and makes the championship like that much better when oh, you have yeah. those memories before it. But that, you're talking about kind of your early fandom. I kind of wanted to get into, like, 
So are you from Dallas proper? Or are you from like suburbs or, oh, no, or no, like Dallas, where? Dallas, Dallas proper. Uh, okay. Awesome. Yeah. K, uh, born in Parkland at Parkland. And then I lived my whole life actually um, the village apartment complex area down oh, there. Yeah. Like that was, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that was like uh, my mom was like their target demographic at the time. She was like 24, had a decent, yeah, had an okay job, you know, worked her ass off and like we got a little place in the village. And yeah, I I lived in the village probably till I was about 20, 23. And, oh, wow. And, yeah. And then, yeah, that was, uh, that was, yeah. Even when I got my own apartment, it was my first apartment was right in that area too. Like it was, yeah, I never, I, yeah, it was crazy. So yeah, awesome. and- Dallas proper for sure. Yeah, and when did like was it always was it always Mavs? Or you said you're kind of fan of all Dallas sports. When did all that kind of? When did you start getting into that? Okay, so I didn't give my. It, it bothered uh, my my mom's boyfriend, who was like my father. Like I, it kind of bugged him because for the first couple of years of my life, I couldn't give two shits about sports, you know. And then yep. it was uh, Tony Dorsett, the nine and a half, nine and nine and a half yard run on Monday Night Football against the Vikings. That the that the the longest run from scrimmage it can never be broken it can only be tied, and I remember watching that as it happened on Monday Night Football and just hearing my mom and dad going fucking crazy, and it just something about it you just got caught up in that and I was a Cowboy fan that was it right and then like and then so once I started talking to kids at school about other sports like uh, a kid in my school is like a big Rangers fan so we started talking so he's like. Yeah, I'd start watching Rangers games and another kid was like a big basketball fan. And it was like, I was like, oh, we have a team. I didn't even know. I was like, whoa, we have a team. And <laughs> and then, yeah, like that was that. And then I kind of jumped in at the right time because when I first started watching the Mavs, they weren't that bad. It was in the 80s and, you know, it was back when they were always a playoff team, but they never really could get, you know, the the, the heartbreak of Derek Harper dribbling out the clock, that kind of thing. You know, like that was yeah. – that was not that I think the Mavs are going to beat the Lakers in that series looking back anyway, but it was, yeah, like, yeah, that was. And so it just kind of naturally just started to where like, I, you know, I just started really getting into sports once I was about like seven or eight. And then that was it. You know, I think video games helped a lot too, like tech mobile and double dribble and all that, like that kind of helped, you know, just kind of get me more into it. And Oh yeah. 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 I was actually the same way. I grew up. I don't think I cared about sports at all throughout elementary school because right. I was playing way too many video games and all that kind of <laughs> crap. And so it didn't really happen until I hit a giant growth spurt in like sixth or seventh grade, and I was like, like six two as a seventh grader. Oh, and dude, yeah, <laughs> I know. And so choice. it's like, right? They're like, get your ass on the floor and <laughs> you know get some rebounds. And I'm like, what is this? And uh, I got lucky. My dad got season tickets. So the first Mavs games I really ever watched was the 0203 Nash, Dirk, Finley, Van oh, Exel season. So I know. Fun. And I mean, so how could you fun. not love it after that? I, it, was, oh. it was pretty easy to be sold after that, you know? So it was kind of nice. You know, I was kind of, uh, you know, not really doing much while they were sucking in the 90s. So I got to skip all that <laughs> so I could play Super Nintendo or GoldenEye or whatever. And then. And then as soon as, uh, you know, they get good again, I, I got to hop back on. So, yeah, I understand that it kind of, you know, we all have our jumping in points. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that, that was, I mean, that's, I mean, I think, I think next season will probably overtake that, but it's hard to find a more exciting, again, I'm not saying best, but it's hard to find a more exciting Mavs team than the Dirk, Nash, Finley, Van Exel. That was so much fun. Cause that was like the, when they got Van Exel, that was the first time you thought, Hey, maybe these guys could go deep in the playoffs now. Like you just had that feeling. Right. And yeah, that was, man. I, but I do think a healthy Porzingis and Luca might overtake that for most exciting. 
I think that yeah, was- yeah, for sure. I think everyone's kind of bought back in because I, you know, a lot of people I think kind of fallen asleep on the Mavs the last like five years. So yeah. it ha- it's been fu- it's been cool to just see you know people that you know friends buddies of mine that weren't necessarily you know they're sports fans but they're not necessarily diehard. Mavs fans who are going to watch every game and, you know, they're texting me, asking me how Luca is. They're texting me, asking me what's the cap space like next year and like all this stuff. I'm like, what the hell? And then like, this is cool. Like people start to care more when you got a 19, 20 year old badass. Dude, absolutely. Now here's the the only thing I'm trying to protect myself against is not getting too bummed out. If this stupid tanking thing doesn't play out and Atlanta still ends up getting the pick. Like I'm going to try to still not be bothered that much because Luca, I think, is 110% worth losing that pick. Whoever that pick might be, right? Unless it's Zion, maybe it's not worth it. But, I, I yeah, Luca, I think, is worth getting rid of that pick. Yeah, so. for sure. I'm right there with you. I kind of hope they just they get rid of it this year just to get – just to not have to deal with it. Right. Right. I, I feel like if they get the pick this year and it's not Zion, but it's like, you know, third, fourth or fifth pick, mm-hmm. I, I think they might go do something kind of crazy. Maybe, maybe like trade it or something for, sure. for, for something better. Cause outside of Zion, I don't watch as much college basketball as I used to, but I don't really, I, I don't really get excited about any other guys. I, I just, I really, I mean, right now it's like, it's, it's him and the other kid from Duke, right? It's like him and RJ. And that's, I mean, it sound. I mean, of course, there'll there'll be some surprises, but uh, right now it seems like it's a two person draft. You know, like you get yeah. one of those two guys, or and then everyone else is like, well, we hope we can have something with this. Like Zion, it seems to be like a lock if he stays healthy. Like, there's no way that guy's not going to be amazing. But like, yeah, it's yeah. I don't know. I, I'm kind of with you. Just like if if we don't win, if we don't get the number one pick, I could trade it. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Uh I wanted to kind of talk to you about so like with Luca and watching him. I know you live in you live in LA now. Yeah. What's it like being a Mavs fan outside of Texas right now cuz I Luca's getting a lot so much national attention like are your are your LA friends or your friends that live in LA that are basketball fans or are they are they into it like what you know where it's kind of funny. Like? Yeah, it's like one of those I I've never seen this before as a Mavs fan. It, not living in Dallas, right? Cuz like the other, the only other places I've lived were New York and now LA. And when I was in New York, you didn't hear much, like if the Mavs were playing the Knicks, whatever. But now, like if I go to places, like if I go to a, a bar or whatever, and I, people know that I'm a Maverick fan. If I go with some friends or acquaintances, they all are like, man, that Luca, that dude's amazing. Like it's weird. Like it's, it's interesting to finally, the Mavericks seem to finally have that rookie that everyone else in the league is talking about. Cause I don't think we've ever had that. You know, like, I mean, it may be Jason Kidd, maybe, but I don't really remember because Dirk was kind of fun his rookie year, but he was obviously a work in progress his rookie year. Whereas Luca is just, he's, he's, we've never seen anyone this good, right? Their first year, their rookie year as a Maverick. And I mean, it's so like, yeah, it's, uh, everyone knows who he is. It's, it's really fun to kind of be around that. You know what I mean? Like, know that your team has a dude that everybody is, talking about and it sounds like most fans would give their left nut to, to have him on their team <laughs> yeah you know? yeah for sure and like you said with Dirk you know his he he didn't really hit his stride until maybe like his third year yep and uh you know he kind of got off to a rough start and then even then 
you know, the NBA was still not really ready for a player like Dirk. You know, he was still yeah. kind of changing a lot of definitions of what a big could do. Like Luca is coming off of like, you know, Steph Curry and James Harden. So like he is the prototypical like kind of guy you want in the league right now. So it feels like it's even more amplified because of that, because right. like you said, everyone would, everyone would kill to, to get a guy like him on their team right now. Oh man, you, you can't like, it's like you, you'd be crazy not to. It's just, and it's, and as good as Trey young is, you have to think Atlanta has to be a little bit like, ah, shit, you know, and, and it, yeah. but that's how good Luca is. Cause Trey young doesn't suck, but I think some Atlanta fans are probably still like, ah, shit, we probably should have gotten Luca. Yeah, but right. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's man, it's it's been really fun in that. Yeah, like that for sure. Does it make you miss uh, being in Dallas at all, or you get a little bit? Yeah. yeah, because my favorite thing to do back in that in that run was uh, there's this really kick-ass Chinese buffet. I think it's gone now. It's I think it's now where that Whole Foods is right there on uh on greenville and i forgot right you know what i'm talking about yeah. right across from the tump of that yeah. intersection there used to be this killer chinese buffet there and i remember just every every afternoon right if i wasn't doing a gig if i was if i was home from a gig i would go there i would pick up the paper and i would just read about the maps like that was and i yeah i do miss that that was yeah and i think that right now would be a great time to dive back in but again that's why i started following all you guys because now i get to do that from la it's like i could just go go to the website and read tweets and like i still get that fix which is good awesome yeah and i kind of want to talk about maybe shift gears a little bit like your career and stuff uh it's just it's always nice to see like you know dallas you know dallas guys because you know ever it feels like you kind of have to move you have to go to la or new york like you did to to kind of advance you know in comedy or, or entertainment yeah. business or whatever so so what's that journey kind of been like from you going from dallas and going to you know, the east coast first then over the west coast and and try to make it in this i know it's a pretty tough industry it's real tough it's t- but you just can't be scared it's like that's really it you just can't be afraid of it you just have to be like you know what i'm gonna do this because it is a sad thing like unless you're in a band you kind of have to if you're if you're in showbiz and you're not in a band or a musician, you have to be in New York or LA. Like it just kind of, you know, there's no, you know, like if you really, I mean, you know, if you really want to go to another level, I guess or whatever. Like it just it's kind of a necessary evil is to live in one of those two places. So you just kind of have to like not be scared, I guess, if that makes sense. And yeah. Just, and just go for it. I mean, it is tough. It's those are hard moves, man. Especially LA. There's something about LA. I've, I've uh, I had to move. I moved out once, and the hard, the hardest move I thought was moving to LA. Just LA. It's not true. The hardest move is moving to LA the second time. It's just, it's man. It's it really fucks with your head. Everything, but it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's fine. It's it's a it's a great city. I know a lot of people like to shit talking, and I mean, there's a lot of things to hate about it, but it's fine. Yeah, and uh, when did you? I I think I read a little bit of your bio, and you you started doing comedy like. I mean, in high school or coming right out of high school. So you kind of right knew, out of high school, you knew yeah. yeah. So you knew pretty early on, like, this is kind of what you wanted to do. Oh yeah. I knew since probably fourth or fifth grade. Oh wow. Um, because yeah. And then it just, I didn't think, I thought it was like as tough as being an astronaut, you know, like I thought <laughs> yeah. there's no, like, I thought I had to pass some weird test or something, you know, like, like, but like, yeah, I just, and then I just started doing open mics at that club, the back door, which is still around. Um, I started going up there, doing open mics there. And it's like one thing, it just kind of kept, you know, I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. And I was like, man, I'm just gonna fucking, I'm just gonna go for it. You know, I'm just gonna do this. And it's, I mean, it's, 
it's tough, man, but it's it's definitely worth it because again, it, it he kind of like it's like I think my mom like when I did Conan for the first time, I think my mom kind of felt like like I felt as a Mavs fan when they finally won the championship. <laughs> Just like, see, I knew it. I, I told you, you know, like that was, yeah. So it was, it, it was kind of nice for that, you know, like, but it, it is tough, but man, to anyone listening to you, anybody, you have that kind of ambition. You just have to go for it of all people. So I used to work at a Barnes and Noble. Uh, I think it's still there. The one across the street from North park mall. Okay. And I, I worked in the music department which, uh, and it was, they were really cool because the, the managers are very flexible. And if I had a last minute booking or I had to go out of town for the week, they would let me and stuff like that. Um, and it was uh, Mike Reiner of the Hardline. Oh, no, uh, no come, shit. Yeah, he would come and shop there all the time and we would just talk music. Like we would just talk classic rock for the most part. And uh, and he just, it was when I was kind of on the fence about going to New York and he just admit you, he just, he just pulled, he literally pulled me aside and said, you got to chase it like that. You cannot be afraid. You have to go chase it. And he's like, I wanted to work in radio. And so I just said, you know what? I'm going to chase it. And he goes, you have to do the same thing. You can't, it was kind of interesting. So it was kind of, that's a weird little, you know, go get a moment that was, uh, I'll never forget that. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. And that's awesome. Uh, I want to keep talking about this, but we got to take a quick, ad break right now because yeah, you're sure. somehow you know every every podcast even as little as ours get ads man i mean i don't even know hey, i don't man, even know how to do it but uh <laughs> we'll, we'll take a quick break and then we'll be right back with more from uh, jerry rocha all right back with uh, jerry rocha uh dallas born and raised comedian now living in la he's got uh three comedy albums if spotify is to be trusted um yeah but the, it is yeah the new one just came out i'm trying to do yeah. my you know research and trying not to embarrass myself so. <laughs> awesome uh we were just talking about uh your upbringing and and comedy and and a encounter with mike reiner of, of the ticket here in dallas and he kind of yeah. pushed you to chase your dreams uh you talked about the Conan bit earlier uh, when your mom kind of felt like, Oh, like you kind of made it a little bit. Did you ever feel like you needed, are those kind of moments also just kind of like, Hey, I can, like, I can do it. Is it, is it nice to hit like a benchmark? Yeah. That's like, okay, I can't give up because I'm, I've gotten this far. I've accomplished this. Let's keep going. Absolutely. Like it's just you and it's all those. And you have to remember those. Cause look, even after doing that, like in, and I had an hour up on Netflix, uh, like two years ago and cool shit that I'm very happy with. There's still a lot of self doubt that always creeps in, especially when, you know, I'm not acting. So it's not like I'm reading something someone else wrote and hoping that gets a laugh. Right. And then if it bombs, I can just blame it on the writer. Right. Like this is, you know, doing stand up is a lot like music in the sense where it's just all you. Like this is all your thoughts, your, you know, everything. And so there's a lot of self doubt, a lot of, and those little victories like that, they build up and they really help. It, it, it's still, yeah, absolutely. And I got very lucky. I won the lottery with, with my mom because we never had much money, but she was always very supportive emotionally. And that was great. Like she was always like, you know, there was, there were some tough moments. It was never like, oh, I think it's time you come, you need to come back home and just, you know, but no, she was like, Hey, keep fighting. You know, that was kind of, her, you know, the way she raised me. And it was, uh, I really appreciated that because like, yeah, it, it can get very, very dicey when you're like, I remember, yeah, oh yeah. Like it's just, it's weird. It's just when, when, when somebody says no to something that you've created and poured your heart into, it hits you in a, in a place you've never been hit before. Right. And you just have to kind of, 
keep fighting through that kind of stuff. And then, you know, you just, you just, yeah, you just have to. And the little things like that, like Conan was amazing. And that was like, that was such a, a cool thing to have. And just, that's one of those things that is, it can never be taken away. Right. If that, I know it sounds cheesy, but it really is. It's like that. It's like that thing. It's like, yeah, well, at least I got to get on Conan and do stand up, and I had my hour up on Netflix. Like, shit like that is just, it's really, yeah, it, it definitely helps get you through the, the shit moments, you know? Yeah, that's awesome, especially hearing, you know, the good supportive relationship with your mom. That's so huge. Wow. You know, for me, yeah. uh, I grew up doing, I wanted to, you know, do sports writing and journalism, and I went to school for it. And, uh, you know, I kind of, I've kind of gotten out of the industry and kind of just do blogging now. But uh, it was really hard at, at first because I, I don't know if this is obviously not one to one, but like with when you tell you, like when I told my parents, like, hey, I want to, like, I run a write in the newspaper, I want to be a sports writer, I want to do this. And, you know, it's obviously not the go to college, just go to get a business degree, work it right. off. You know, it's not that. So they're like, oh, you know, they're like, oh, okay. And, you know, they kind of just think I'm doing my own thing. And when, you know, I for, when I got my uh, first article, I, did, I started freelancing for the Fort Worth Star-Telegram my senior year of college. And when I got my first nice. article in the Star-Telegram, you know, it's finally like I could show them and be like, hey, this is like a real, yeah. this is a real thing. This isn't like some made up thing like that I'm doing for fun. Like someone paid me to do this and you can see it. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. It's a lot of, I, so I can imagine, you know, on, on a little bit of bigger scale, like, you know, doing Conan, getting the Netflix special. I wonder, is that kind of that kind of same feeling of, you know, this is, yeah. It kinda, it's, it, and, and, and it's, and it's good, but here's the thing. This is the most important thing to, if there's, if you have any, anyone out there who's listening, who has that kind of aspiration that they want to chase, remember this though, too, you never want to, you never want to accomplish anything to, to impress someone else. It, but it really is for you, right? It's like, it was that validation for myself more than anyone else. No offense to anyone else. Right. But it's more of like, you know, all those things are the validation for yourself. Like, yeah, that's right. I did it, you know, like, and, yeah. and, and that's, that's the best feeling. And all that other stuff is secondary and it, it's part of it. And it definitely helps. It definitely helps a lot of emotional shit, you know, but yeah, it's, you just, you want those victories to 110% just be for you. Like that's, that's why you're doing it. You know, like that's like, you know, you, like that's like I never write a joke thinking, well, guy, I hope these people think it's funny, or I hope these guys think. No, no, no. I write a joke because I think it's funny, and then I and then let's hope that other people do afterwards, right? But right. I can't. I'm never going to tell you a joke that I don't think is funny, right? Like if I'm on stage performing, I'm never going to just throw away, you know, do something that I don't think is funny. That's how it has to be, right? Uh, and this is something I kind of wanted to ask about just stand up in general. I've just always wondered because I'm, I'm not too great at speaking in front of crowds and I've, and I've always seen like my older brother uh, lives in Austin, Texas, and he's a drummer in a band. And, nice. uh, you know, I've, so I've gone to shows and watched him and I see a live performances and I, I can never put myself in that place of, you know, whether it's stage fright or nerves. And I think in my head, like, you know, in a band, it's kind of, there's multiple people on stage. So not everyone is sure. always watching you. How did right, you, right. how did you do, you know, you started doing it in high school. How did you get over? Like when you're stand up, it's just you and everyone's looking at you and they're listening to everything you're saying. Was that tough or is that something that's maybe it's, it looks harder than it is or, or it is really hard and you had to work on it. Like, what was that like? It's always like, it's like, it's, I'm not going to say it's like, cause there are people who have like real, like shitty, tough jobs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, like there's probably some guy who's in a coal mine somewhere. Who's like, Oh, shut up about your tough job. You know, right. but 
like I, yeah, like it's, it, yeah, it's never like, it, it is a little nerve wracking. I, I had help though. It's what started with me was at Stonewall at Jackson when I was in fifth grade, I think in the reading, I think it's actually Mockingbird elementary now, but, uh, um, I'm sure you know the one that was right by that old Dr. Pepper plant, you know, um, mm -hmm. that's where I went to, to elementary school. And I had a teacher in the fifth grade uh, named uh, Avon Cravens, uh, who sadly is no longer with us. But he I was like the class clown because I liked it. It was like it was just kind of how I expressed myself was. And I remember in fifth grade, he told me, he goes, look, can you do me a favor? He pulled me aside and I thought I was in deep shit, right? Because I was kind of on a roll that day. I was like cracking a few <laughs> jokes throughout throughout the class and I was feeling it. And then he pulled me aside and I thought, oh man, I'm in trouble. But it was at the end of the day and he goes, look, you want to do me a favor? And I was like, sure. He goes, if you don't interrupt with jokes every, uh, every other Friday, I'll let you tell five minutes of jokes at the end of class. Oh, wow. That's awesome. And I'm like, I was like, in, deal. <laughs> yeah, I was like, fuck yeah. So I was like, you know, model student after that. And then I just couldn't wait for those Fridays, you know, and I had, I would just impersonate teachers and the principal, <laughs> just dumb shit, you know. But yeah, so I kind of already had that, you know, it kind of, it kind of helped erase that stage fright bug a little bit. I mean, it's always there a little bit, but yeah, it definitely helped ease, you know, ease into that, made it a little easier. And then, of course, in high school, it just kind of was a more natural, you know, you did plays and all that horse shit. You know, you just kind of build up that that uh, that um, that defense against stage fright, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, awesome. That's crazy. Like, I could never – that's something that – that would just petrify me. Like, I, I can't even put myself, like, in someone else's – like, in your shoes and, and imagine that. Like, I would just – I would crumple. Like, there's no way I could handle that pressure. Like, it's much easier to type on a keyboard and let someone else go read it and, like, not, not see me, not even look at me. And, uh, right. you know, like, I can't even imagine. Uh, it's uh, it, it's fun. It's definitely fun. Yeah. For sure. it, um, so uh, another thing I guess I'm, I'm curious about uh, – you know, when you so you were growing up in the in the eighties, like being brought up in the eighties, more mm -hmm. or less. Yeah. So with all the comedy that was going on in the eighties, you know, that was, you know, feel like that was like a golden age of stand up. Uh, what was it going really on? Was. Yeah. How do you feel like it's changed as now you're in the industry and it's so you know there's so many different sources of where you can get your comedy from, where you can get entertainment from. You know, there's Twitter, there's all this other stuff that people can get their comedy from and it just seems like maybe the path is maybe different. Like what has it been like growing up as a comedian, you know, from what you grew up on and now that you're actually in the industry, how much it's changed? What's it been like kind of navigating? That? You know, to be honest, I, on I don't know how different it really is. Like it's radically different. And it's, I hate to use that stupid, the more things change cliche, mm -hmm. but like, you know, it, it Things still went viral when I was a kid. It just was a different way of going viral. Like, I remember in the schoolyard, we would tell each other Sam Kinison and Andrew Dice Clay jokes, even though we'd never seen them do comedy, right? We still, right. someone saw it and then word of mouth would kind of, so, I mean, things still went viral just in a different way. Like, I don't, I don't know how the fuck any of us sat there and someone told somebody that when you play Contra on the Nintendo, the up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, B, A, select, start, whatever, you get the infinite lives. And there was never printed anywhere. We just knew it, you know, like shit like that. I think things always went viral, but just in different ways. And yeah, like, I mean, the good thing about how 
about the modern stuff is like more comedians are just more easily accessible. I think that's a good thing. But I also think a lot of it is still kind of the same. A lot of the same complaints that the complaints that comedians had back in the eighties about the industry are exactly the same now. Right. So it's not really that different. I guess the major difference is now comedy clubs don't really book comedians all the time. Now they'll throw in a YouTube star every now and again, because that person could put asses in the seats and then it's a fucking nightmare of a show and nobody comes back, but <laughs> at, at least that person put the butts in the seats for that one weekend. But you know, cause those YouTube people are fucking atrocious. Right. But I mean, I don't get mad at that either because it's like, Hey, that's just how it is, man. Clubs need to pe- They need to put people in there who can fill it up. And I get it. You know, it's like, uh, I get that, but like, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, I think the biggest change I think is now like, I just think more people think they can do comedy who shouldn't do it. And I think that's kind of, that's really, uh, I think it's just because of all the social media and YouTube and all, I think it's just given people more of an avenue to go, Hey, maybe I can try this, you know, I think than than before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I feel that like it might've been a terrible fucking answer. Yeah, no, it's okay. I feel like that's almost applicable to a lot of like, I don't know just like entertainment or arts, like, uh, you you know, there's so many like sports writers and people that have their own blogs and there's so many, yeah. it's almost information overload a little bit. Like when I was in high school and, and college, you know, I would read every single last thing I could about basketball or the NBA or, you know, whatever the Mavericks or, you know, even supplement whatever I was writing. And now I feel like I read less than I, I used to. Cause there's just like so much. And I'm just like, I don't even know where to start. And there's so much of it that there's a greater chance of right. it being terrible. And so sure, sure. I, I guess I just don't want to get burnt. So now I, I just kind of like have like an inner circle of things that like, okay, I know if I go to the athletic and I read, you know, Tim Cato, I'm going to enjoy that. I know if I read, right, right. Yeah, you know, if I know if I read like ESPN and Zach Lowe, I'm, I'm going to like that. Like I kind of have almost shrunk how much I consume basketball related content. And even though, there's more of it than there's ever been in my lifetime. So I don't know. It seems kind of, right, like, but you, you know. still have, but like you said, you still have your two or three favorites and it's not going to, it's not like you read every basketball block, right? right. Like it's, and I think a good thing, and I'm not, I really, this sounds like I'm joking about, I think a good thing about all this content that's out there is I think like, imagine how many serial killers aren't serial killing. Like, you know what I mean? People <laughs> that should be, because instead they realize that they could go on a blog and break down his own defense to people. Like they're like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do this instead of serial killing. It's like, Hey, good. Like, that's good. Like, I think there might be more, like, I think that's another bonus, you know, it's like maybe there's less lunatics out there. Who knows? Oh yeah. There's yeah. It, yeah. That, I agree. I, I've knowing some, some basketball life for people. I definitely, definitely agree. With right. Right. Like you're like, man, this guy, would have nothing but like dead animals in his, <laughs> you know, in his bedroom if, if it weren't for this. Like this is good in a way. Uh, but, yeah. uh, all right, before we're gonna take another break in a couple of minutes, but before that, I, I, now I'm going off tangent because I didn't prepare okay. a rundown, so I'm going. I'm just thinking of something else. You live in LA. You grew up in Dallas. What is your final say on the Mexican food in Texas versus California? It's not even fucking close. Texas any day of the week. All right, and good. all the in and out people can shove it up their fucking asses. Whataburger <laughs> any day of the week, too. Dude, the in and out is the most overrated fucking. It is so. Fu- it's the Dwayne Wade of fast food. It is so fucking overrated. I'm kidding. Wade's great. I'm just still bitter about 2006. But anyway, 
It's uh, no, like In and Out is In and Out sucks, man. They're garbage. And and if there's any, if Dwayne Wade happens to be listening, I'm joking. You're fucking fantastic. Let me still be bitter though over the fact that you know the refs gave you 2006. You know it. <laughs> Just let us have that, and that's it. Anyway, yeah. Um, the other ones, he he earned them. He earned the other ones. But <laughs> 2006, the refs gave him that one. I'm going to stick to that. Um, but yeah, I, I've always, uh, I, I definitely, there's something about Tex-Mex, especially like my whole family's from Laredo. And you go down there, man. It's 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 a whole nother level too over there. It's so good. Now there's some decent Mexican food. There's some decent Cali Mexican. I didn't know what the fuck a fish taco was until I moved out here. Like that's a, that's a California thing. And they're pretty damn good. Um, and there's some good Mexican food restaurants here, but yeah, no, give me Texas any day of the week and Whataburger over in and out. And it's not, it's not even close. I don't even, it is not even, yeah, close. I don't even care about in outs burger because their fries are such trash that it disqualifies the rest of it. Oh my God. The fries are, it's awful. It's like if a, I, I don't, it's, oh God, it's like if a gremlin just fucking jizzed <laughs> on a plate, like that's what their fries are. And then they expect people to eat that fucking garbage. Yeah, their their burgers are aren't terrible. Right, yeah. They're all right. The fries are like, what is this? Right. Like, what the fuck am I eating? And then, no offense to look, I'm not. It just, I just want fast food. I don't need to get my balls broken with Christ as Lord on the bottom of every fucking cup. You know what I mean? Like that. Just let me eat a burger. Like you know what I mean? Like I mean enough. Like I get it. You know? Yeah, I actually. Um... You speaking of like Laredo and it's like on another level. I actually, my first job, full-time job out of college, I was a sports writer for uh, the McAllen newspaper down in the Valley. Oh shit. I know. Yeah. Right. Um, so I lived there for a year and it's diff- like, it's different. Like, you know, up in, in North Texas, it's basically, you know, m- mainly Tex-Mex unless you go to some, some really, you know, cooler places. <laughs> But down there, sure. it, I, I ordered the stuff and I was like, this doesn't seem the same. You know, it's more like actual, this is actual Mexican food, not just tech. Yes. And there's a difference. I right. didn't know there was a difference, but there is a difference. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. It's pretty good. And it's really, oh, yeah, man. There's some, God, I'm, I'm pissed I'm not there right now. Actually. I'm getting in the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was funny because my, my girlfriend is pretty much a California girl. And I was talking all this shit about Tex-Mex, right? And how good it was. And she came, I had a gig in San Antonio and she came with me and we, we made the mistake because the hotel, the club was right at the river center. Oh no. So we made the mistake because we were just, our hotel was right there. And I'm like, ah, Tex-Mex is great everywhere. <laughs> and we just went to all these shitty fucking tourist traps yeah. at the river center. And I'm like, oh God, it was, and she was like, what, this is garbage. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. I lied to you. You know what I mean? It was bad. Uh, she finally went with me to Laredo. I was like, oh, like it was, thank God. Laredo. Awesome. Good. Yeah. And I've noticed the fish taco thing. Uh, the There's so many people from California moving to Texas because yeah. they can fart, uh, whatever they fart out, they can buy a house in texas compared to getting like a shanty town in, in california oh, yeah. so yes. there's so much more like I, the fish taco stuff there's so many more of those kind of places popping up in that influence and yeah you're right they're good they're pretty good but yeah i was surprised i was like wow <laughs> yeah like it was oh god that's the other thing i missed doing right now with what i pay for rent for my fucking closet <laughs> i could have like a four bedroom back in Dallas. Like, there's no question i could be living in a condo somewhere in Dallas <laughs> for what i for what i pay for the closet that i live in in LA. yeah that's the one thing yeah. uh, my wife uh i think she's like gotten like whispers of like hey you know your job if you want to like move to la and it's like man i don't know like it's I, I've been Dallas my whole life and I've kind of lived around yeah. different areas. So I've always kind of wanted to have the itch to maybe like branch out a little bit, but 
I don't know. It seems pretty good. Let me tell you something. It's not that different. Yeah. I got to be honest. It, the only the only difference really is just the traffic is way worse out here. It's horrific. But that's it. Like I remember hearing like the way people would describe people in L.A. It was like, oh, like oh, everyone there is they're all plastic surgeryed up. Everyone's got fake tits. They're all about status. And I'm like, that's Dallas. Oh, like, yeah. Is that any different? Like this is Dallas. Yeah, really? That's over. Oh, it's the same fucking place. Dallas is nothing but fucking boob jobs and plastic. Look at the fuck. Oh, yeah, it's the same shit. It's uh, yeah, whatever. It's not that different, really. It's, uh, it's yeah. It's just it's it's like imagine if if Dallas was the same but a lot bigger. And every now and again, like the whole earth tried to shake you off. Like, that's it. Only and you can yeah, and you can surf. Surfing's a lot closer. That's really. Do you surf? Fuck no. <laughs> There's. I had a whole bit on that when I did Conan. I was like, no, I'm not going to get eaten by a shark. Oh, yeah, I, I don't that. give a fuck. Yeah, there's no way. Nah, there's that'll never happen. All right. Well, like there's, I'll I'll dip my feet in the ocean for a little bit. I'll admire how pretty it is. There's no fucking way I'm going to go do a. Imagine if you could play a pickup game of basketball with fucking like three or four crocodiles just near the court. Would you do it? No fucking <laughs> way. You know, like there's just a perfect killing machine might be 10 feet away from you at any time. Yeah, there's no fucking way. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, on that note, let's go take a, one more break, our last break. And then when we yeah. come back, let's maybe go back to – let's get some some last Mavs takes in and uh, yes. we'll call it a diet. Uh, so we'll be right back with uh, Jerry Rocha. Okay, we're back. Jerry Rocha, comedian, born and raised in Dallas, uh, coming to join us, talk Mavs, a bunch of other crap. And we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, Dude, this has been a lot of fun. I, this is fun. I've been a Mavs Moneyball fan for a minute, so this is nice. This is fun to get to do this. Like, seriously. Good. Um, and, uh, by the way, shameless plug. Did you, hey, if you want tickets, I'll hook you up. I'm going to be in Plano uh, next this this upcoming weekend. Oh, yeah, um, that's right. I'm headlining the Hyenas Club uh, March 7th, and 7th, 8th, and 9th. And then I'm going to be headlining Fort Worth Hyenas March 22nd, 23rd. And then Dallas Hyenas April 18th through the 20th. So, dude, uh, hit me up after this and let me know how many tickets you want. Any of those shows, I'll hook you up, buddy, for sure. Hell yeah. And anyone cool. listening, come the fuck on down and buy my new CD. It's called I Girl, spelled A-Y, A-Y Girl. It's uh, it's pronounced I. Uh, it's an inside joke. I should, probably shouldn't have named my CD an inside joke, but it's all right. No, that's all right. I'll tell you what it is. You ready? Can I get Lee in on the inside joke? Yeah, sure. This is exclusive. Okay, it, exclusive. Until only the Mavs Moneyball listeners will get the joke. It's because I don't even explain it on the CD itself. It's um, my mom had a couple of gay friends from Laredo who lived in Dallas uh, when she was there. And that's what they would tell each other. That was they'd be like, I girl, that was like their dude. Get the fuck out of here. It was the same thing. But they would, <laughs> they would instead of saying, dude, get the fuck out of here. They would just go, I girl. And that just stuck with me. So there it is. <laughs> Awesome. Little, little insight. Thank you. I feel, <laughs> I, this, you made a special podcast that much more. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, thank uh, you. I'll take it. All right. But I, so let's, uh, I kind of wanted to get some more math thoughts from you. Cause I love, yes. I love talking maths. Like, you know, we've got our group of writers and we've got like our own Slack thread and, and we, you know, all my friends on Twitter and, and things like that. But it's always fun to talk to people outside of like the, the kind of click of, of basket bloggers. Cause we can kind of run ourselves in circles sometimes. Sure. If that makes sense. Uh, so what do you think, you know, you were talking about Luca and KP earlier when we were talking about the Mavs, 
Like, are you just psyched about, about that duo and, and what they're going to do? And, and what are you looking forward to most, like in the summer? Like, what do you want them to do there? Like, you got any, got any opinions on that kind of stuff? I, I know I'm putting you on the spot. No, no, no. I love it. I, I mean, uh, is it crazy to think that I know people are saying we want to try to get that guy from Orlando to be our center, right? Um, what's his name? Shit. Oh, Nikola Vucevic. Yeah, and okay, I'd be down, but like, can't we just have Porzingis play fucking center? And we, I mean, and the way Powell is coming along, like, and Cleaver, like, I think we have power forward set, right? I mean, I yeah. think I would rather I would rather us chase a small forward, get a really good small forward in here. That's what I my actual I, I would love that if that dude from Milwaukee is going to be available. Fuck yeah! Oh, like, Middleton. Uh, yeah, give me him yep. in a second, man. Like I, that's kind of what I'd be like. Why can't we play Kristaps at center? Like, oh yeah, I, I know everyone's saying he's a power forward. Like, dude, that guy's seven three, isn't he? Yeah. Like, yeah, put him at center. Fuck it. Um, th- but yeah, I, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't be pissed with the dude from Orlando, but I, I'm kind of hoping we get a nice a nice small forward out of the mix, a traditional small forward. And dude, I, I mean, I wouldn't be pissed if we rolled. I mean, who do you think our starting one will be next year? If we don't, if we don't add any, if we don't add that position, who do you think is our starting point guard? Oh man, it's probably going to be Brunson if they don't add I, anyone. I have no problem going Brunson, Luca, Middleton, uh, Powell, and Kristaps. Give me that. I'll, I'll do play that. With that. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll roll do that. with that. Cause that way you don't have to break the fucking bank and you can still, you know, but again, don't get me wrong. If I mean, Middleton will probably cost you, but that's fine. He's worth it. But like, I don't know, man. I, I just like, I think I would rather than focus on a small forward. I know talks about chasing that dude in Orlando. And again, I'm of the, if they do it great. I think Luca is one of those guys who I think is going to make most people around him better. So I'm not too, not that worried about who we get. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like I think they'll, they'll, I think a lot of people could fit with that guy. Um, I still am kind of bummed that Dennis Smith Jr. got traded, to be honest, because I kind of wanted to see how that would have worked out. But I think I'm, I'm obviously, if 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 Porzingis stays healthy, you have to trade a a, a point guard for an undersized point guard for a seven three phenom. Like you have to. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but like I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I would like to see a small forward. That would be my pick. Let's go small forward. Let's get a small forward in here and make Luca be your two. And I, th- I would love to see him and Brunson in the backcourt. That'd be a lot of fun, I think. Yeah, uh, I agree with you there. I, I don't think they should go big. But I, the one thing, like, with Kristaps, you're right. He should play center. And I bet you all their best lineups next season will be him at center. But he, yeah. he's kind of got the Anthony Davis disease where he's like, I'm not a center. I'm a power forward. And there's a right. part of, there's probably a party where you kind of have to show a little ass and be like, okay, we need to get another big so that – He's not in the paint for, you know, 30 minutes a night and, and sure. you know, give him some help there. But you're right. He should be he should be center and that should be where he starts and where he plays a lot of his minutes. Um, I like Brunson, too, but I almost wonder, you know, if they don't, you know, if Middleton is is a tough get because Milwaukee's so so good. I can't yeah. imagine them letting that team get away like you're Milwaukee. Like when is when are you guys going to ever have a team in like this ever? <laughs> like, you're not gonna, like if he goes who are you going to bring into the meeting and be like, Hey, come to Milwaukee, you know, leave Miami or LA or wherever you're at and come to Milwaukee. No, dude, it's, dude, you're right. The bucks have, cause like the bucks right now with, with Giannis, right. It's like, it's like they imagine like the most unattractive guy at a Dungeons and Dragons tournament. Right. <laughs> and he's fucking a supermodel. 
And he's going to do everything to make sure that supermodel does not bail on him. Right. That's the Bucks right now. Right. They're going to try to keep that supermodel as long as possible. Uh, yeah, I don't know. That's, uh, but yeah. So with if we let's say we don't get Middleton, then I wouldn't mind getting a starting point guard and making Brunson just that lethal uh, uh, one guard off the bench. Yeah, I like that. And there's a lot of decent options at uh, at point or just like an off guard, off ball uh, guard. Yeah, because the one thing you know with Luca, you don't want him playing point because he's not chasing point guards around. So you want to get a guy no, that can no, guard no, no, no. him. Yes. Yep. So that's kind of yep. where my head's at. And uh, there's some options. I think uh, Goran Dragic is a free agent. And, uh, man, the perfect fit for me would be uh, Patrick Beverly is a free agent. Oh, and he's like just a, a guy that can spot up, guard ones, not care about getting the ball a lot so Luca can have it. Like that just seems perfect. But then I don't know if you saw that. the When they played in Dallas, the old weird, weird dude – uh, yelled at Patrick Beverly about his mom, and that was the uh, that game. Like we needed that. Yeah, yeah. Well, but you know what? Here's here's what gives me a little bit of hope was when and dude, I couldn't believe this. Like I've never like hated the Clippers, but now after what Doc did with Dirk during that oh, timeout, I'm like ah, I kind of don't mind if the Clippers do well. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I was like, well, uh, but. You know, Beverly was the first guy to walk over and hug Dirk after Doc did that. Oh, so, there. So, you know, <laughs> Beverly Beverly walked right over to Dirk and gave him a hug. And and we, we at least got rid of the dude that he got into an altercation with the last, you know. So, Dennis <laughs> yeah. Jr.'s got – dude, I would – because Patrick Beverly also just – he gives you that, like – he's also that – you know he's that fearless defender who, if he's not going to stop – the other team's guard, he's going to annoy the shit out of him and probably get a tech or two out of the guy, right? right? Like, yep. he's one of those type of players, too. He's just going to frustrate the shit. Even if the guy scores on him, he's going to score on him angrily. He's not going to be happy. It's not going to come easy. So I would love Patrick, because I don't think Patrick Beverly is going to – and it's not like he is the – you know, no offense to him, but I think the Clippers are one of those type of teams that they're always looking to move parts right now because they're still trying – yeah, they're doing. I mean, Doc has shown that he's a great coach these past two seasons. But like, I still think there's still kind of like a lot of. I think the Clippers are one of those nobody's untouchable type of teams. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I don't know if they have a player that is completely untouchable right now. So I could see, I could see us getting a run at Beverly. I wouldn't mind Beverly, and like you said, all right, you want to show ass, then get that dude from Orlando. You get him and Patrick Beverly in here. I'm ecstatic. Yeah, that would be that's a hell of a starting lineup right there. And I think the nice thing is this is the first time I'm I'm going to go into a summer without like that like foreboding anxiety of our team's going to be ass because we didn't sign anyone yeah. because you know the last five years it's basically been you know play with an older Dirk and then if that doesn't work we're going to have to scrap <laughs> right. right. Like going into the summer with uh, KP and Luca is just the feeling. I can't remember the last time. You know, because when the Mavs were went in, when Durka was in his prime, they didn't, you know, they weren't really like big free agency players because they would kind of just soak Never. up their cap space and, and make big trades. But the NBA wasn't really like, you know, the big, you know, the big free agency like it is right now. So it's yeah. kind of interesting. I don't it's, know. Yeah, because but you, but yeah, you're right. You have that like our future feels set, and now it's like who's that extra piece we're going to add, and that's that. There's way less pressure doing that. Yeah. Than there is, you know, than there is trying to get another like actual just bona fide first option right that's always the scariest is when who's are going to be our first option but it seems like you already have options one and two set 
So this is all kind of gravy right now. I hate to get that cocky, but it kind of feels like this offseason, if they do it right, will be just kind of icing on the cake, let's hope, you know? And that is, uh, oh, man, I, I'm very excited for that. Yeah, definitely. I, uh, man, this is it's going to be fun. I think it's – and I, and I also – it also helps that Luca seems to be one of those dudes that other guys want to play with because they know he's not going to do any ball hog shit. He's not going to, he is going, you will, you will get numbers playing next to him, right? Like you're right. going to get looks. He's going to give you passes. Like, so yeah, that's another good thing, dude. Let's do this real quick too. How fun looking back, like you said, how happy are we that Deandre Jordan spurned us a couple of years ago? Because imagine if we tried to keep that to if that if he came out here, and looking back now, holy shit, what a mistake that would have fucking been. I know they would have won maybe like 43, 45 games, and then just kind of yep. gone down and down, and maybe get like eight seeds and, oh. and go anywhere. And oh yeah, they'd miss out on Luka. They would have missed out on all, probably a lot of guys. Yeah, it's DeAndre Jordan did us a favor. We didn't even realize it. We were all angry and pissed. Yep. And like, how do how dare he? Like, how dare he not want to play with the unguardable combo of Chandler Parsons and Wesley Matthews? How dare he not want to do that? And looking back, you're like, holy shit, that dude did us a fucking favor. I mean, my God. And then doing the favor coming back because the Mavericks needed his contract to do the, the presents yeah. trade. So DeAndre, give, give him a statue after Dirk. That's all I'm saying. He's the next jersey. Yeah, we got, yeah, we got Luca because of him, and we got Chris Depps because of him. So I mean, come on, let's uh, let's uh, let's not get let's let's be honest here. Let's give DeAndre. Let's just have a statue of somebody clanking a free throw. Let's do that. <laughs> Hell yeah, let's have him. We're just we'll standing still with his arms down, and and someone's shooting and a layup. Someone just, just just flies right past <laughs> yeah. him. Like, by the way, can I ask you this real quick? You followed the NBA most of your young, most of your life, adult life, right? Yeah. If not all of your adult life. Does anything ever good come when a defender slaps the ground when a player's coming at him with the ball? You know that move yep. where they crouch down? They always get scored on after that. Have you noticed that? That reminded me because uh, the last pl- two playoffs ago when uh, when Hayward was still with Utah, I remember they, they surprised the, uh, the Clippers and beat them in the first round. Even though Gobert got hurt for the rest of the playoffs yep. in like the first five minutes of the game. And I'll never forget DeAndre Jordan does that stupid slap the court in front of Gordon Hayward. And two seconds later, Gordon Hayward is dunking on him. It's like that, it, that is the NBA kiss of death. The two things are the kiss of death of the NBA it's when the defender slaps the court, and it's when a white guy jumps out to, to try to last second stop a three point shot if a white player yes runs and especially out the uh court. yeah I, I was gonna say the slapper of the court is like the ultimate fake hustle yes you know, you know like everyone look at me and I'm, I'm into it i'm into it and you know don't dog me but then yeah you get scored on then you get scored on. and then when the white guy jumps out to stop a jump shot it always fails that's always going to be a, a, a swish no question right it's like it's like i don't know if you remember but like late night like midnight mid to late 90s uh nfl like every time a corner got beat on a play, they would always do like five push-ups, and it's like, oh yeah, that helped, yeah. you know, like you know what I mean. And then they get it's like that is just the same stupid phony hustle shit. Oh, I hate it. I yep. hate it. Same here. All right. All right. Well, before the before this 
whatever the we're recording with craps out on us again. Uh, (laughs) We're 55 minutes in. So Jerry, I appreciate it. You coming on. This has been a ton of fun. Uh, Thank you for having me. I loved it. I just shooting you a DM and and you coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, Go see you. You're going to be in Plano this weekend, uh, March. uh, What are those dates again? March 7th, 8th, 9th? March 7th, 8th, and 9th, I'll be in Plano. And then March 22nd, 23rd, I'll be in Fort Worth at the Hyenas Club there. And then April 18th through the 20th, I'll be at Hyenas in Dallas. So, uh, yeah, you follow me. Uh, my Twitter is at uh, R-O-C-H-A Comedy. And then my Instagram is just Jerry Rocha Comedy. So if y'all want to hit me up, anybody listening, uh, yeah, come on out. I'll give you tickets to the show for sure. Men- mention that you heard this podcast, and I'll hook you up with free tickets. Hell yeah, that'd be that'd be badass. And then your album, uh, your neck, your newest comedy album, I Girl, just dropped right this week. Yep, and it's everywhere. Wherever you get your wherever you get your digital comedy, it's there. iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, uh, Amazon, it's all up there. Excellent. Well, so, yeah. well, thanks again for coming on. This has been awesome. Maybe sometime down the line, we could do this again. Sure, yeah, man. Yeah, that'd be. Awesome. I'd love to. And. And hit me up too. I'll get you whatever show you want to come to. I got you. How many people you want to bring? Bring the whole Moneyball crew. Bring everybody. Well, you know what? We'll have a good time. There's only like three of us in Dallas. The rest of we got our editors in California and another editors in DC. So, oh really? Yeah. That's uh, so where where in California is one of your editors? Uh, in LA? Oh, I think. Oh my gosh, I, can't, I think they're in San Diego. Ah, okay. All right. Well, next time I'm down there, let them know. I know. Well, it sounds good. Yeah. All right, man. I'll definitely reach out and, and at least at the minimum, I'll go to the Dallas show uh, in April. That sounds like that sounds awesome. It. So I appreciate it. Uh, Anytime, man. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Jerry Rocha, you guys go check him out. Go buy his album. Go see his shows. Uh, this has been fun. Uh, we'll be back sometime, uh, hopefully next week, with another episode of the Mavs Moneyball podcast. So we'll see you then.